WDWS Champaign-Urbana, where we talk all things Illini, along with other area national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. You can also email us at talk at WDWS.com. Now, here are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Well, good morning, sports fans, and welcome to Illini Pedal Saturday Sports Talk. With you until 11 o'clock today, another busy weekend in finding Illini sports. We'll tell you more about that. The Big Ten Basketball Tournament is turning out to, to be what we thought it might be. Coming up in the semifinals today, a matchup involving four top ten teams going at it in the semifinals. Number four, Michigan against number nine, Ohio State at noon, followed by number three, Illinois against number five, Iowa at 2.30. Mr. Tate, how are you? Well, I'm ready for a full day. And that you will get <laughs> after a couple of full days of the Big Ten basketball tournament. Interesting day yesterday in the quarterfinals with Michigan, Ohio State, Illinois, and Iowa all pull, pulling off victories, kind of in different kind of ways. Michigan fell behind early, came back and won. They had some controversy on the sidelines there involving the coaches. I want to ask you, do you think that all was about the fact that Howard in each game has stepped out of the box more than <laughs> Turgeon wants him to? Is that all about where you stand? Is it really? I don't know what it, where, what it it's sure all about. It sounds like it when I'm, try, I'm trying to figure it out. I, mean, I don't see any final stories on exactly why he got so upset, Turgeon got so upset. But Well, he's, Turgeon said something about it. It's been going on now for two games yes. that they play each other. And he, he I thought a, maybe he was he referring – yeah, I thought he was referring to maybe Howard talking to their bench. That's what I thought. I thought I thought it was Howard talking to the players. Right. But he said, uh, Howard said, he's worried about my feet, which is kind of, you know, I, okay. I mean, if the Big Ten's not going to do anything about it, I guess all you do is just forget about it because what's the difference where they stand? They all get out of the box, don't they? Yes. It's like a third base coach in baseball. I mean, what are you going to do? He, he was out of the box. Well, they're out of the box more than they're in the box. <laughs> you bet. When there's a big, strong right-handed hitter coming up, they're way out of the box. But the good news is Illinois very impressive in that 90-68 to win, wire to wire, never uh, trailed. The game was never tied. And, and they uh, pound Rutgers 90-68 to to set up the rematch, the long-anticipated rematch, I guess, between uh, bordering states. How do you explain playing the same players, the same Rutgers players, getting 15 offensive rebounds at Rutgers. They did. And we turn it around in this game and get 17. I mean, how do you explain that? Can't. And you rebounded by 25. It was ridiculous. Totally I, mean, in the game. I thought that was the game. Just the fact that Illinois was just so dominant in the paint and off the board. Yep. We've got the phone lines open all morning long. 217-356-9397. We've got some guests lined up. You can call in during that time, too. Brad Sturdy will join us from Orange and Blue News. Jeff Rabjohns, who covers Indiana and the Big Ten for uh, 247 Sports over in Indianapolis, will be at 9.30. Coming up at 10 o'clock, former Illini great Bruce Douglas will check in on this year's team. And then at 10.30, Scott Docterman, who covers Iowa, will be along with us. Let's go to the phones now. Alan is up first. On Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Go ahead, Alan. Morning, guys. Uh, obviously, a really good win. I didn't get to see a whole lot of it because I had a 
game myself, but we had a TV in the dressing room so I could see bits and pieces of it. Uh, one play I was wondering about, <clears throat> what did you guys think about the Corbello incident? Uh, I think it was a ridiculous call to kick out a player for somebody who really wasn't really trying to do anything except get position, and he's trying to use his balance and it just happened to be an unfortunate spot. I just I re- me too. I, just I, I think that was extreme. I didn't think he should be yeah. thrown out, but there's a lot of things going on in that regard, particularly in football. That I I feel the same way. You know, those. It's just uh, why throw the guy out of the game if you must call a technical foul? Okay, but he didn't have to walk off and leave. I mean, he shouldn't right. have to. But it didn't. Did. It didn't look intentional when you look back at it. It was just. An unfortunate uh, place to take a hit. Exactly. Well, yeah. And not to mention the fact it took them five minutes to figure that all out and kind of set the game back a little bit. And another thing that irritates me is they do this, uh, check the time, what's left, and then uh, they might end up putting two-tenths of a second on there. Please, do we really have to go through that to worry about two-tenths of a second when you still got maybe – who knows how much time's left? Well, I think I'm in the same boat you are, but that's what they're doing. So they've they've made the end of the game just atrocious, as far as I'm concerned. Yes, I mean when absolutely, I agree. But there it is. Uh, I, I don't know any other better way to do it. I can't. You talk. You talk about the difference between Rutgers and Illinois as a first-time player. To me, Illinois looks much quicker and faster than they did back then. That's the difference, in my opinion. And the way and that goes hand in hand with what you say is the way they're locking down on defense these days. They're they're just really playing great defense. They gave up sixty eight points to a team that they gave up ninety one to earlier. Yeah, they got their hands full today, though. Yes, they do. Because Weisskopf and Weisskopf, Wieskamp. I, I, I still like Tommy White. I do, too. He's <laughs> one of my <laughs> favorite guys. Wieskamp and Frederick uh, paid over 30 uh, minutes yesterday, so they're healthy enough, and they can go, you know, they give them uh, a four-pronged punch, I would call it, and uh, certainly Bohannon is, is part of that. And, and the, the threat of those three guys is, make, do you dare double-team Garza? And if you don't double-team Garza, he's going to get, 25, I guess, at least. Yep, got 24 last night, 24 and 9. In Did that. you just concede him 25 and try to beat him anyway? Maybe, and try to keep Kofi out of foul trouble while you're doing it. 62-57 was that score late last night in case uh, you missed that. Anything else, Alan? Uh, one more thing. Today they talked about the score might be in the 80s. They were talking about that last night. I don't think so. I think it'll be in the 60s. I think both teams will play Better defense than the first go around, and it'll be a slugfest. Well, I hope that Iowa shoots the three the way they shot it yesterday. Yeah, that that scares yeah. me. They were two for twenty in the game from <laughs> the three point line. They're not going to do that two games in a row. And what was it, uh, Lauren? Last year when they hit seventeen against Illinois? Oh man, I don't know. <laughs> was that last year or the year it before? It might have been the year before, yeah, but the year I, before, you can't forget it. <laughs> no, we beat we beat Iowa here last year. Remember yeah, that's that right, yeah. the last block shot by. Yeah. Uh, by Kofi against Garza, but the year before, they just sank everything over there in yeah. Iowa City. Yeah. All right, Alan, thanks for the call. We appreciate it. 217-356-9397 is the number. Let's say good morning to Scott Friedline. He's with Alana Rebounders. Say, hey, Scott, good morning. Hey, good morning. What a great win yesterday. It was. 
Yes. Hey, I wanted to call in and remind people we are still doing 50-50 during the tournament, and uh, we're actually doing kind of a special deal with each win, we're adding $1,000 to the pot. So the pot's up to about 4500 when I checked early this morning. I'm on my way over to the game, and hopefully by uh, the end of tomorrow, we'll have a nice big pot. Somebody's really happy, along with the entire Line I Nation. Were you there yesterday? I'm sorry? Did you attend the game yesterday? No, I was at, at home watching it from um, my couch. So Okay, I just, I just wondered what it was like in, inside there. It's kind of a strange feeling to have the, the fans so separated. It's, it's almost going well, to I'll extreme. find out today. I, I, yeah. I don't have the best seats in the house, but, hey, I'll be there. That's the most important part. Well, okay. All right, Scott, we appreciate it. Thanks for the update. Scott Friedlein. No Thank you. Yep, from the Illini Rebounders. It was good to hear some natural crowd noise and not piped in the sound in the, in the ball game. And you could tell right at the beginning of the Illinois game that there were plenty of folks in orange and blue there. Even if they were spread out, it's good to be in the house. Yeah. It's, it's added an awful lot to the game, and, and I think that you'll have a lot, of, a lot of fans there today. And I think if you were waiting to see if it'll, and don't quote me on this 100%, but I think if you were waiting to see if Illinois won the game and then may take a chance to go over and get uh, tickets today, I think you can do that. Uh, you've got all those teams that lost in the f- first ten, couple of rounds. You've got 10 teams that are gone. <laughs> right. So you would think there'd be some tickets floating around. I think the, the, the ticket, uh, I saw where somebody paid $75 to sit in the third row from the top, but uh, they also said, you know, we, at least we were in the house, we were there and enjoyed it and uh, I think it was a great experience, and Brad Underwood and Iowa DeSumo both felt the same way, and we'll hear from uh, them some of their post-game comments coming up. But those semifinals get going at noon. You can hear it all right here, of course, so the Illini game with Brian Barnhart, Dion Thomas, and company over there. Finally, on uh, the sidelines, up, up in the uh, stands a little bit, but finally on site for basketball the rest of the way. So it should be fun today with the semifinals as tomorrow, not only do you set your time, uh, your clocks ahead, it's select, <laughs> easy for me to say, Selection Sunday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't laugh at me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, You've never done that, have you? Uh, I, th- I just think that game, I, if they get to the Michigan game, there's going to be a lot, of, a lot of rivalry felt there uh, if Michigan wins and if Illinois is able to get by Iowa. I see I. Iowa came out as a two-and-a-half-point underdog today, and now the last I saw was four points, that Illinois is a four-point favorite. I think everything depends on Iowa staying out of foul trouble against DeGarza. If he can do that, uh, he will hold his own. But, you know, it's so easy to – the officials uh, – it, there's so much bumping going on, and it's, it's like holding in football. There's so much bumping going on, you could call a foul any time you want to. And it's just scary, uh, you know, to, to see what they're going to, how they're going to call it. I mean, you could lose to Kofi in the first five minutes. Yeah, overall, Kofi's done a good job in most games staying out of foul trouble. That first Iowa game, I've, if I remember right, the, the score was 80-75. to 75. So mm-hmm. uh, will it be in that range again? We'll, we'll find out. Really some interesting different kind of games. As I mentioned, Michigan uh, was down by 10 early, came back to win. Ohio State uh, had Purdue down by 18, I think, at one time, and then had to go to overtime to win. Illinois game was a blowout, and uh, Wisconsin led at halftime against Iowa, and the Hawkeyes came back 
and 162 to 57, setting the stage for today's semifinals over at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. We're off and rolling on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. We'll keep the phone lines open, 217-356-9397 is the number, and we'll talk more about the tournament with Brad Sturdy coming up. Stay with us. We're back after this. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly here on News Talk 1400 WDWS. Glad you're with us. Phone line is open, 356-9397 is the number. If you want to talk about Illinois basketball or anything else, we had a text person uh, text in wanting to know if we could uh, answer a question, and we'll try, but don't know for sure because we have not seen Io's mask in person. person wanted to know if it was black or blue. I'd say it's black. Looks but black to me. It does, but uh, don't know exactly, so didn't help you much there, but we have not uh, seen him play a game to where we saw him in person with it, so we'll see if somebody else might know that. Brad Sturdy is with us from Orange and Blue News, Rivals.com from Indianapolis. Good morning, Bradley. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. You have a short night? Did you get enough sleep? Yeah, it was a, it was a quick turnaround, that's for sure, late night, and then, you know, what you know, writing, podcasting, all that good stuff, and then you're back at it today. So. Well, the good thing for you that uh, it was the uh, 5:30 game, not the eight o'clock game, huh? Yeah, that's true. Of course, you still got to wait for today's preview to get in with that second game. So sure, that's never right. Ends, you know? <laughs> so, but it's fun. It was. I tell you what, it's worth it just to be in person and see the fans. Man, it was it was great. I mean, I can't imagine what it would have been like uh, had they had a full house last night. It would have been great. Well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about. Uh, the first time that uh, fans have been able to see the basketball teams live this year. And uh, even though they were spread out quite a bit, uh, you could tell it on, on TV that there was an influence of uh, fans there. How did it feel being in the building? It was great. I mean, the, it was very electric, a lot of energy. Um, I thought, you know, we were talking about it after the game. The first four minutes, it felt like the Illinois fans were just, they were on the edge of their seats. I mean, just, I mean, you could just see it. I mean, there, there was the tension, like, just they were so excited to see Io and Kofi and and see him in person that uh, it was really uh, it was amazing actually um, and they they brought enough energy to at, like it was a packed arena but um, you know as it turned out they you know they they got to watch a pretty uh, fun fun game. I, I mentioned this earlier. Uh, there was such an amazing turnaround on the rebounding uh, from the first game at Rutgers to this game. Uh, how do you explain that, Brad? Well, I, you know, I think rebounding, a lot of it's effort. And also, Illinois got away from – they didn't help as much, and it allowed – made Rutgers play, you know, isolation, one-on-one stuff. Um, they didn't get themselves out of position defensively, and so that allows you to block out better. Um, I think they did a great job. You know, Mulcahy, I think, had some offensive re- rebounds. Adam Miller really locked him off the glass this game. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so there were a few things like that. I, I felt like that that was part of it. They just did a different – you know, they had a little bit of different defensive rotations and it allowed, you know, Rutgers got some shots um, at times and were able to get into the paint a few times. But uh, the result was it, every everything they took was a tough shot. You know, I mean, they, they just made everything contested. And, and so that's how you were able to defend. It also allowed them to, you know, block out better and then control the uh, defensive glass. Now, on the offensive end, they, it, I think a lot of it's effort. You know, Jacob Grandison um, had a couple early ones and that was a, that was big. And then Kofi just dominated in the paint. They tried kind of the hack a Kofi method where they ran three guys and rotated him and just fouled him, you know, and he, he missed some free throws early, but then made the last four. So, um, you know, that, that was actually good. Kofi made four free throws in a row. We should probably write that down. So that was pretty good. 
Well, he's capable of that. I, I just, uh, I've got a theory on that, and I don't know if it makes any sense, but I think that he he has so much contact in the post, and there's so much tension that builds up when the guys are just pounding on you all the time and intentionally fouling you that when you go to the line, it's not easy to relax. And uh, that's just a theory. I don't know. I've seen him in games where he made six, seven, eight of them, so I know he can do it, and I know he does it in practice, but something happens in these games that I think probably tightens him up a little bit. Yeah, it's, it's possible. I mean, it's definitely, it's, um, you know, and, and he's, I don't think he's ever going to be what we call a great free throw shooter, but if he can make 60% from the line, boy, it, it really penalizes teams with all the fouls that he gets. Well, when you watch Illinois lately and they've won 12 of the last 13, they're certainly, certainly locked in. They seem to be on a mission and uh, uh, they've waited a long time to get back to this point, haven't they, Brad? Yeah, no question. It's been 10 years since they played in the Big Ten Tournament semifinals. 2010 was the last time. Um, and, you know, so it, it's been, or I guess, 11 years. But that's been a long time for uh, Atlanta fans to wait um, to get there. They haven't, you know, been in NCAA tournament since 2013. I know they would have made it last year, but, um, you know, it, it's it's really fun. I mean, it, it's really fun to see a team that's relevant in March. And I've talked about that on my podcast, just talking about, you know, how, how it how exciting it is to have a team that actually we're not worried about the bubble. We're actually worried about, you know, you know, the matchups to see if we can make a final four run. And, and so it's just a totally different kind of mindset than what we've had for the past few years. Yeah, There's a lot of distance between worrying about the bubble and worrying about if you can move up to a higher number one seed, right? Yes, exactly. And that could happen. I guess, you know, Baylor lost and maybe Michigan and or Illinois might stand a chance to, to move up on that line. I don't know. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I think so. I think if Illinois wins these uh, next two games, I think that it's very conceivable they'd be the two, the second number one, um, especially with the injury concerns that you have with Michigan now. Um, you know, it is, uh, nobody really knows exactly what's happening with Isaiah Livers, um, you know, but it, it would be, you know, nothing official yet, but it sounds like he's got an injury. Um, sounds like Kyle Young may have an injury again um, for Ohio State. So, I mean, it, it sets up pretty well. You know, I think uh, Alabama and Iowa are the two teams who are trying to move into that one line, and they probably need to win out. But Illinois has got 11 quad one wins right now, which is, um, you know, just – it's just excellent. You know, I mean, that, that's that's the number – most of the country, Oklahoma State's second. And so um, they don't really have the bad losses either. So uh, I think it's conceivable they could get to that second number one seed if they win the next two. Either way, they should be a one seed, you know, and, and that's where you want to be in March. If you're a one seed, you've you got a great opportunity to make a Final Four. Brad, tell us what this means to recruiting. What do you see? Well, it's been huge. I mean, they are, they are kind of the cool kid again. Um, people are uh, – kids are taking notice. Um, they, they want to be recruited by Illinois now. Uh, it's a different animal. You know, when Illinois calls, now they take the call, now they listen, you know, and, and they see what can happen. You know, and obviously the notoriety that a guy like Iowa DeSumo gets and Kofi Coburn gets, I mean, kids are noticing, um, you know, whether it's, a, you know, a, a transfer or whether it's high school kids. I mean, they're really um, getting a lot of kids to, to take notice, and, and kids want to be a part of it, and they see the energy. And I, I will tell you, it hasn't been a it hasn't hurt them to have the, you know, the, the post-game locker room celebrations that we see from Brad Underwood. I mean, because, you know, he, a lot of times he's gotten a reputation for not being the, a player's co- or being tough on kids or whatever. You know, he's kind of an old-school guy. But here's the reality. He's a, you know, he's a player's coach. Kids love him. You know, his, his players love him. And that is, he's going to get on them, but he's also going to coach them hard. But he's also 
um, he's their biggest advocate as well. Uh, do you have you seen the number? I just saw this yesterday. There may be fifteen hundred transfers. How do you keep track of all those guys? It's it's insane. The transfer portal. I mean, I think football. I thought football was bad. With you know, I think they're what are they three thousand or something like that. And but you know, basketball with fifteen hundred transfers is is just it's nuts. I mean, it's like it's more than they've ever had. And you know, the tra- one year transfer rule is going to make it really interesting. You know, kids getting immediate eligibility. Um, it's really going to be crazy. I, I just I'm not sure how it's going to shake out. I you know I, I don't know how you, you you almost have to have a connection to a kid. Um, to, to know this, but what, what's scary for me is a lot of these kids you have, they're going to, you know, they're, they're going to find a home. I mean, there's a lot of kids leaving, but are they going to find a place where they can go play? And then, you know, what about the 2021 kids that haven't committed yet? Do they have a spot? You know, if, as these guys start taking locations, how many scholarships, you know, there's only so many scholarships. And so it, it's going to be a very, very interesting uh, process over the next couple months to see how this all shakes out. I, Orlando and Antigua and I were talking, and we, we called it. It's going to be the Wild West. Yeah. Um, so uh, it's going to be it's going to be a different different deal. Talking basketball with Brad Sturdy from Orange and Blue Rivals dot com, Orange and Blue News. Speaking of transfers, what's the latest on uh, Namari Burnett? When you do you think he might uh, make an announcement? The last time we heard from him, he was planning on waiting till after the NCAA tournament, so the first week of April. Um, you know, April fifth, I think, is the championship game, and so probably that next week i mean you know obviously timelines change you know depending on what's going on but um illinois has done a really good job they're in a good position with him and um but they uh yeah it sounds like it's going to be that first week of april he's going to make his decision um and right now it looks like it should be illinois but you know obviously it's recruiting so you never know that's still you know three four weeks away and you also mentioned 2021 kids the player of the year in the state of wisconsin brandon say his last name for me Podzimski. Podzimski. It looks uh, it looks harder than that actually is. <laughs> Brandon Podzimski. What do you hear about him? Yeah, I, I, I think he's you know he's narrowed his list down to five. It sounds like he's going to do some zooms. I think he's on actually on vacation right now. He went to Florida on vacation, so his family's taking a you know kind of a spring break here um, after the basketball season ended. So um, he's going to you know make a decision. Last time I talked to his uh, AAU coach and uh, Antonio Curro from the NY2LA program um, in Wisconsin. He said that uh, he's going to, sounds like end of March would be his decision time frame. Um, I think Illinois is also in good position there. Uh, Kentucky is also one of the teams that's, you know, pursuing him. Wake Forest, uh, Miami, and Vanderbilt, those are the final five. But uh, it sounds like most people believe it's an Illinois-Kentucky battle, and it seems like Illinois is on top of that right now. Have you got any surprises that we don't know about from a recruiting standpoint? Anybody that's leaning toward Illinois we don't know about? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I think they've done a good job. I think the, the, the interesting one is going to be what happens with the, the kid that was committed to, the Enoch kid who was committed to uh, Michigan State. He was a five-star big um, in class of 2022, had committed to the Spartans, um, decommitted, and Illinois has really done a good job getting in with him. Um, and, and so that would be a really nice piece. Um, I think they're in really good shape in 2022 with uh, uh, Reggie Bass. Reggie Bass, who is a um, three-star guard, they like him more than that. And I think the one thing about rankings right now, with no AAU events last uh, last summer, it's really hard to tell where kids fit. But Reggie Bass is going to decide March 19th on his birthday. Um, Illinois likes him quite a bit. He's six-four, kind of combo guard. 
Uh, very smooth lefty. He can uh, do it, do a little bit of everything. Handles it, passes it, scores it. Um, defends. Uh, tough kid. And so uh, he's going to decide March 19th. Illinois is one of the uh, uh, going to be one of the final uh, uh, teams in, involved there as well. I'll ask both of you guys this question uh, because I'm not sure of the answer. But what what happens now with Kansas and Virginia? Is it a seven-day protocol, or is it a 14-day like it used seven. to be? It, Definitely it, seven. They've got seven days. Both are going to try to play. I mean, you, that both uh, schools have come out with statements that they're going to do everything in the next week to try to be ready to play by next Friday. And uh, at this point, we don't know that, you know, the, the contact tracing will be done all week to see if, there, if there's any carryover from the individuals who had the virus and whether it's carried over to any members of any other members of the team. So if you had five players, yeah. conceivably you could you could play. That is right. That's right. an NCA right. rule. So to get into the bubble, they're going to have to have seven straight days of negative tests right. for each mm-hmm. player. Right. So every player, so any player that has seven straight days of negative tests. Now the kids who obviously tested positive on Kansas, it sounds like those kid that kid is probably going to be out. Um, it, it's going to be hard for him to get seven straight days of negative tests. Um, but if he does, then, you know, he would be included too. So they have to have seven straight days of negative tests before they can get into the bubble. Then once they get into the bubble, then they'll have daily testing as well. Good information. Brad Sturdy, another couple of minutes with us. Want to hear how your new endeavor is going, IlliniGuys.com. Yeah, it's good. It's been been a lot of fun. Um, it, it, I've enjoyed it. Uh, you know, obviously doing my Sturdy for 30 podcast has been enjoyable. Um, had some great guests and uh, basketball, football, even softball. A little softball with uh, Lance McMahon from the softball team. Brett Bielam has joined us, Orlando Antigua. So we've had a good mix of guys. Um, some of the recruits, Luke Goody, came on. Um, so, you know, uh, actually he's playing right now um, in the regional. Luke Goody, the 2021 commit from Illinois. So um, he's playing this morning. It was a 9.30 a.m. game up in uh, northern northern Indiana. So uh, that's going on right now. So it's been uh, – no, but it's been fun having the uh, – we really enjoyed it. Um, I think it's a really uh, – neat sites a little bit different than everything else with all the multimedia stuff and podcasts and different things so um uh, check it out i think it's pretty fun well you couldn't really ask for a better uh, set of semifinal games today with uh, f- four of the uh, top five seeds going in uh, ohio state was the number five seed and pulled a little bit of a minor upset i guess if you will against purdue yesterday but michigan ohio state what do you look for in that game yeah, I think somebody see who's healthy. I mean, you right. know, is Kyle Young and is they livers and who's playing, you know, but I, I like, you know, if they're all healthy, I like Michigan, obviously, but if not, I mean, you know, it really gives Ohio State opens a door for them to maybe get that upset. You know, the Buckeyes have struggled a little bit on defense at times. And um, so, you know, Michigan, can they, you know, can they outscore them, you know, without livers? And so that'll be intriguing. And obviously Illinois and Iowa is, you know, just a, a matchup that we've, you know, we're, we're actually, when we saw the schedule and saw they only played one time this year before the season, we were kind of disappointed yeah. because it was such a fun matchup. But now, you know, now they get their second match. So um, it's, it's a lot of fun. I, I think, um, you know, you're looking at four top ten teams. If you look at the net rankings, you've got four top ten teams. Ken Palm, you've got teams rated two, three, four, and seven. So this is a really uh, – it's, it's amazing. I mean, what, what the level of play in this Big Ten, these top four. I mean, this is a final four level, final four. And it's that we may run it back in three weeks. Who knows? I told Lauren a little bit ago. I'm a little bit nervous when I saw that uh, watching that game last night and saw the final stats that um, Iowa was two for twenty from the three point line. <laughs> They're better than that, aren't they? Yes. 
Yes, definitely. Hey, Brad, appreciate your time. Always good to catch up with you. Uh, Enjoy the games today, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Lauren. You bet. Brad Brad Sturdy from Orange and Blue News, Rivals.com, and IlliniGuys.com in Indianapolis. Got another text that uh, from a person that said they were at the game, and it was fun to see people get excited, and they got excited about uh, big plays in the game and any other stuff that goes on over there, having not seen uh, their favorite teams for a while, and tickets are available if you want to look into it. So uh, get on over there. 9.30, we'll take a break, talk some more about the Big Ten Tournament and more. Keep the phone lines open, 217-356-9397. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk is back after this. Moving up on 933, Illini Pella, Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly, and we're with you until 11 o'clock Central Time right here with the phone lines open, 217-356-9397. Thanks to Brad Sturdy from Rivals.com for spending some time with us. We're going to talk some more Big Ten basketball now. Jeff Rabjohns from 24-7 Sports, Pigs.com over in Indianapolis in the fine state of indiana is on the, the line with us good morning jeff how are you good morning i'm terrific how are you guys good we want to talk a little bit about the big 10 tournament or what you saw there and of course the uh, entire ncaa tournament being held in uh, the basically the the city of indianapolis uh, extended a little bit but uh, in the state of indiana for sure let's start with the big 10 tournament and uh, how you thought the uh, quarterfinals went yesterday and did it work out the way you thought it might yeah, I think, uh, I think it's going pretty much uh, according to form so far. Um, obviously, I think you know Illinois had a really important putting 90 points up against Rutgers uh, was was really uh, I think something that uh, showed what kind of firepower that that, that Illinois has. Uh, and obviously, you guys know that really well. But that that, that jumped out. I thought uh, you know Iowa being able to get past Wisconsin um, was, was pretty good as well. Um, you know, the one surprise, I guess, a little bit. I guess it's not really. Surprise, but um, seeing um, you know Purdue just kind of really have problems the whole way with Ohio State. Uh, Purdue was able to score seventy eight points, but you, know, you never really felt like uh, there in the second half that they they really had answers uh, for Washington for Liddell. Um, and even though the game went to overtime, you know it goes to overtime fifteen six there in overtime. Um, but it's it's been really competitive. I think the the thing that jumps out to me the most is. It's been really good basketball. Sometimes during the regular season, you know, a big team kind of really, you get some rock fights. You know, you can get some grinded out that you look at. It's not real appealing basketball at times. But the tournament, I thought, has been really well-played basketball. And it looks like Lucas Oil's done a really good job with it in such a big building. And having some fans in there makes a huge difference, in my opinion. Oh, absolutely. No, no, no doubt. They did a really good job. There's courts set up, you know, it's set up sideways. It's basically... Uh, about the end zone to the 20 yard line, if you want to think about you know normal configuration of a football stadium, and you know they've got the big curtains there in the middle, and um, they did a really nice job with the setup. Um, you know, fans have certain areas where they can go, and you know only family members or whatever can sit like directly next to each other and all. But it, it does have it does look good, all things considered, and actually it looks really good, I think. And uh, a friend of mine took me over to the other side uh, yesterday. So they're going to see the other side um, set up. And there are going to be two courts in Lucas Oil for the, the NCAA tournament. They're not going to have two games going on at the same time, but they are going to have two courts set up. So 
so that uh, you know, we will start the day, both sides, both courts, both benches, fully sanitized, play a game on one court, then everybody leaves, they start sanitizing that area, but you can go right on to immediately warming up and getting ready to play the next game on the other court. So they'll be all, alternating back and, back and forth during the NCAA tournament. The hierarchy of the city of Indianapolis. What is it about this city that it can pull off something this huge? I think I think a couple things, Lauren. Um, one, the the whole downtown of Indianapolis was geared toward holding big sporting events, uh, and that goes back to the Pan Am Games uh, back in the 1980s. You know, they actually built Pan Am Plaza with the idea of you know hold the Pan Am Games. And it would also have the ability to hold other things. Um, so that's kind of how it started. And then obviously, uh, uh, Consigo Fieldhouse, now Banker's Life, comes along. Um, the convention center is, is, is actually connected to so many different things down there. You know, it used to be connected to the old football stadium. Um, and in all the bars, restaurants, and everything are, are really right there. You can, you know, you go to, you guys know this well. You go to an event in Indianapolis, if your hotel's downtown, you, you don't need a rental car. You can walk yep. to everything. That's right. Um, and the other thing is you have the Indiana Sports Corp Corporation, and it's a group of people. A lot of them actually are you know, employees, but they're also connected to the businesses, and they work all year round. Um, their whole function is um, bring in big sporting events. And they talk to other business leaders. Hey, here's what we need. Um, you know, they talk to the hotels. Hey, here's what we need for the Big Ten tournament. Here's what we need for the NCAA tournament. All those kind of things. I mean, Indianapolis actually, you know, they had a Super Bowl several years ago. And I never thought the city would get a Super Bowl. I just thought that was too big. But they got it and pulled it off. So I think those are the main things that, you know, really give Indy a chance to do big sporting events well. Well, Jeff, uh, is there any chance, and this is a long shot, I'm sure, that they would hold future entire NCAA tournaments in Indianapolis. I mean, if this comes off as well as I think it's going to, would this be something that they would try to do in the future? Um, the city of Indianapolis would absolutely love that. They would love that. I know that. Um, I don't know if the NCAA is going to completely abandon its normal MO of you know having first and second round sites having regional sites, and then having a Final Four site. I think the NCAA likes the idea of, you know, having its showcase event be at different locations around mm-hmm. the city, or around, around the country, excuse me. But, yeah, I mean, if you ask the Indianapolis city leaders, you know, would you want this again, I can tell you right now the answer would be yes. They would absolutely go for it. One more question along these lines. How long will the people that live about a hour south of there put up with the fact that they're – State University isn't a part of this. <laughs> yeah, you know, Indiana's obviously, they've, they've been having struggles. Um, you know, five years in a row, haven't been in the NCAA tournament. Um, we missed the NCAA tournament a couple of years in Indiana, and the fans start to get restless. You missed five times, and, um, you know, you get, you get some anger. You know, there were, you know, Indiana's lost to Rutgers. You know, they lose 61-50. Not only did they lose, I thought they played quite poorly. And you could hear boos and other things. You know, it was, it was audible. So, you know, that's a real question right now. Um, the way Archie Miller talked after the, after the uh, Big Ten tournament loss, you know, it sounds like he's, he believes he's going to be back. So, um, at least that's what he 
that's what he sounds like. We'll, we'll see what the university decides here in the next, you know, week or two. But certainly, uh, they, they have to get to the NCAA tournament. And, uh, you know, Archie Miller knows it. His staff knows it. Fan base knows it. Administration knows it. Everybody knows the expectation at Indiana is to make the NCAA tournament consistently. So um, that they, if Archie is back, if indeed he is back, um, I say if because I, I don't know that we have an answer yet. We just haven't heard, you know, anything specifically different. But if he is back, you know, he'll he'll, he'll need to make the NCAA tournament next year. What does your gut say about the situation, having covered Indiana for as long as you have? Uh, yeah, I can actually I can see it going either way. Um, the, the you know, uh, Archie Miller's been there four years, hasn't been to the NCAA tournament. That's justification for making a change. Um, however, um, they, he has a ten point three million dollar buyout, and that's a big number in normal circumstances. When you're coming out of COVID, when you haven't had any football or basketball revenue, uh, the number is even bigger. That, that, that's, a, that's a legitimate problem to try to get around. Um, I think the other question is uh, for the university to look at it and they say, okay, well, you know, we, there aren't any problems other than they're not winning. You don't have off-the-court issues. You don't have some of the stuff you had under Crane with, you know, guys doing certain things off campus and, and arrests and those kind of things. You don't have any of the problems you had under Kelvin Sampson. The program is essentially, you know, good players, you know, doing the right things. They're just not winning enough. Um, so I think those are the things that the university looks at and says, okay, those are check marks in the positive corner. But in the negative corner, you know, going 12 and 15 in your fourth year at Indiana, that's not good. Uh, they've only got one 2021 player signed, uh, top 80 player uh, center, Logan Duncan from Cincinnati Moeller. Um, so it's not as if there's some monster 2021 class coming in right now. You know, they could add players, but right now, as we sit here in March, that's what they got. So I, I can honestly see it going either way. I really could. And at the same time, speaking of going either way, the Indiana football program's going the other way. They seem to be on the rise. Tom Allen doing well there. Talk about that a little bit and what you see happening there with the Hoosier football team. Absolutely. Uh, Tom Allen has been, uh, I don't know, some people have said miracle worker. Maybe that's going a little too far. But in relation to college football, uh, maybe it's not going too far because, you know, Indiana, uh, before he got there, you know, had the most losses of any Division One program in the country over the course of its history. And he comes in and, uh, you know, totally rejuvenates it. Uh, they end up going to back-to-back January bowl games for the first time in history. They'd only been to one January bowl game in their entire history before Tom Allen. And he got into back-to-back game, bowl games these past two years. Um, his recruiting has been terrific, especially down south. Uh, Michael Penix has been a, 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 an absolute uh, stud at quarterback. He's got guys like Tywan Mullen, Michael McFadden there in the defense. Uh, his very aggressive defense has been a has been a big factor. You know, came in and took over defensive coordinator for a year before he got promoted to head coach. Well, what, what Tom Allen has done is, is very impressive, um, and I, I don't think I've been a homer. When I say I think it's one of the most impressive jobs that anybody's done in college football, when you look at what a current coach is achieving versus what that program's historical success level is, um, Tom Allen has been tremendous. You know, he's he's a guy who's he's from Newcastle, Indiana. He was an assistant coach at Ben Davis High School here in Indianapolis for a while. Then kind of started his college career <clears throat> um, down south. Had jobs at different schools down there before being hired at IU. So he's a guy who's from Indiana. His dad was a high school coach in Indiana. He really gets it. 
and um, he's he's doing a tremendous job. I think they're they're I think they're set up for success, consistent success under Tom Allen, which the IU football program has really only had one stretch under Bill Mallory um, of about seven, eight, nine years of anything close to consistent success. So if they can get something like that under Tom Allen, um, shoot, they may they may. He may end up with a statue outside the stadium in 15 years, guys. What you need is a flip-flop with Purdue on the divisions and get you over here in the West and get Purdue in the East. There you go. As long as you're going up against Ohio State and Michigan and Penn State, you got a problem. I mean, even you know, on those few occasions when you beat those teams, they're going to beat you most of the time, I'm, I'm afraid. Oh, no, there's no question. There's no question. Uh, the, the, the divisions are not balanced. From a competitive standpoint, you know everybody who knows anything about college football knows that. When you when you take the the three most powerful programs and you put them all in one division, then it, it's a problem. Yeah, the, the Big Ten East is just a monster. It really, really is. Um, and I know there's been some talk about like you know adjusting them a little bit, you know, which I think would make some sense. I think I think there needs to be a little bit of an adjustment to, um, to make it just somewhat more competitively balanced. I'm going to swing you back to one last basketball question. Illinois plays today. Who's going to win? I like Illinois in the game. I really do. I think Why? I think A.O. DeSomo is, is uh, he's the best closer in college basketball. I think he's the most uh, difficult one-on-one guy to defend in the Big Ten. He's a phenomenal bailout guy. Bailout meaning the place breaking down and you throw the ball to one guy and say, here, go do something. Everything's messed up. Yeah. Um, I, I just, I think A.O.S., I mean, I, I voted for him, um, you know, uh, first team All-Big Ten. I voted for him on my All-American team. I don't know when the All-American team's coming out. Maybe I shouldn't have said that out loud, but oh, well, <laughs> I did. Um, uh, I, I, guess, I think we're allowed to say who we voted for. I voted for him. Um, I, I think he deserves it. Uh, so I, I, th- I think Illinois, I think Illinois can win that game. Hey, Jeff, we appreciate your time. Always good to visit with you. Jeff Rapjohns from 247sportspigs.com over in Indiana. And we'll, we'll chat with you soon, we hope. Always good talking to you guys. Take care. Have a great weekend. We'll see you soon. You bet. Good job, Jeff. Jeff Rapjohn's with us at 946. We'll take a break. Be back with more. We'll uh, talk more about this game last night and the upcoming game. We'll hear from Brad Underwood and Io DeSumo. Your calls are welcome as well. 217-356-9397. We'll get you updated on some other uh, Illini sports happening last night and happening this weekend. So stay with us. We're back after this. It is 949. Illini on Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate, Steve Kelly. Phone lines open, 217-356-9397. If you'd like to join us, we'd love to hear from you as we get set for Illinois and Iowa this afternoon. That'll be the second semifinal game from the Big Ten Tournament following the Ohio State-Michigan game, which starts at noon. Some other Illinois uh, sports activities uh, happening this weekend. Volleyball last night uh, played well on the road at number 5 Minnesota. Actually had a 2-1 to lead in the match and then dropped the uh, final two sets to lose 3-2 to to fall to 2-9 and on the season. Minnesota, as always, very good in volleyball and uh, the Gophers come away with the win. Those two teams will play again later today. Illinois baseball also uh, playing Minnesota up there and the final last night was 6-1 to one, Illinois in 10 innings and they'll play a doubleheader starting tonight at 
5 o'clock, Mr. Tate. Yeah, that's awfully late to be starting a doubleheader. Well, the first game's a seven-inning game. I understand. Or supposed to be. I suppose if that game goes extra innings. It should the, be over in two hours, the, right? The second game would be a, a seven-inning game. But Illinois has won two in a row now. They're two and three on the season. Illinois softball lost yesterday to Michigan State 5-2 to two to fall to 7-2 uh, and two on the season. And they're playing right now. The Illinois softball team is, and it's scoreless in the uh, top of the third inning down in Florida against Penn State. So they're uh, off to a good start, the Illinois softball team. Men's golf team will play Monday and Tuesday down in Louisiana. Mike Small's uh, team is number five in the country. The women's golf team will play Monday and Tuesday in South Carolina. Men's tennis tomorrow against Northwestern. Illinois is five and one. Women's tennis, Iowa today and Nebraska tomorrow, both of those at home. And the soccer team plays Indiana Sunday. Illinois is 2-2-1 two, two and one on the season. I noticed in the, looking at the soccer scores, every match has had a zero in it. <laughs> it's either been one to another, two to another, whatever. It's a lot of running around with no point. Yeah. No, the, no scoring. The losing team in all those matches. Uh, and, and in the tie, it was a 0-0 zero, zero tie, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, soccer gets back to action on Sunday. So Illinois and the Iowa Hawkeyes this afternoon. We'll hear some uh, comments coming up in just a second here from Brad Underwood following the game last night. That uh, big win over Rutgers, 90-68 to was the final. And here's what the Illini coach had to say. I thought our defensive intensity to open the game was outstanding. There's always a little bit of a concern uh, when it's your first time playing and you're in a dome and it's a different, uh, just a different feel. Uh, maybe than than uh, uh, some of the venues we play in, uh, and they had a game under their belt. We beat a very very good Rutgers team. Steve Peichel, I'm a huge fan. I have tremendous respect for the job he does and how how tough his team is. But I thought we did a very good job. We had two big concerns coming in, and that was rebounding the basketball. They out rebounded us in the first game, and then um, we had to keep them out of transition. You know, I thought we, for the most part we uh, we did that tonight. And then uh, offensively, we were uh, Iowa got us off to a great start, uh, Trent. Uh, but but it was our defense and our rebounding that were the keys. Uh, I can't say enough how nice it was to see all of the orange in the stands. Uh, wow, uh, do we miss them? And um, that was pretty impressive uh, from from our fan base. As always, shouldn't I shouldn't be surprised. And there should be more folks in orange and blue over there this afternoon, you would think, with uh, tickets available as Illinois wins that game 90-68 to last night. Not only ranked teams, but really uh, real rivalries, Iowa-Illinois and Ohio State-Michigan. You couldn't ask for more in, in terms of a rivalry and the quality of play and the fact that these, you know, both teams, these teams have beaten each other. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's a showdown. Speaking of Michigan and uh, Isaiah Livers, his injury is a foot injury, uh-huh. and he's said to be out indefinitely. So they're yeah, and What about Young for for Ohio State? I mean, it looked like, you know, if you're going to guess, would you think he might have had a concussion? It, it did look that way, and he did not return to the game. Uh, so you'd have to think that maybe each of those teams is down a man going into this yeah, semifinal crucial, match. Yeah, crucial guys. I mean, but what was interesting to me about the Michigan-Maryland game was that in the first half, when, Mar- when Maryland was dominating the game, three guys named Johns, Davis, and Brown came off the bench 
they hit nine out of eleven shots in this game off the bench. They they were out they were outscoring their the regulars for a good portion of that game for, for Michigan for Michigan. Yeah. And uh, I, you know I hadn't I hadn't known them to have that kind of depth before, and I expect to see Livers and and uh, and and the regulars to do all the scoring. But in the end, in the second half, it was all Mike uh, Smith. He just the Columbia transfer just sensational. Eighteen points, fifteen assists, set the record for assists in the tournament. And I don't know how you stop him. And I you say, well, you ought to be able to stop one guy. Well, how do you stop him if you can't guard him? You can't put two men on him because he finds the open man for an assist. And if you do, if you play one guy on him, he scores. That's the Ohio State-Michigan game coming up today starting at noon. Last uh, night's leading score, Io DeSumo with 23 points, five rebounds, six assists. Kofi had another double-double, 18 points, 12 rebounds, 46 points in the paint last night uh, for the Fighting Illini. And 17 offensive rebounds. And got really good play across the board from everybody. They did. Just Gr- take uh, Grandison. He got him off to a quick start. Yeah, he only he scored did. eight. He scored all eight yeah. in the first half. Yeah. and in the Probably the first half of the first half. And Demonte Williams did his thing yeah. like he usually does. And, you know, it's just uh, every I, uh, the only guy that probably wasn't quite up to snuff. I, I, I don't think that uh, uh, Iotis, um, I'm sorry, that Georgie, uh, Bashanishvili was particularly sharp. Maybe he will be better today. I mean, uh, it's hard to replace uh, Kofi and live up to that standard. It <laughs> is. He had one bucket. He had a, a dunk on a pass from yep. from Io. Yep. And Curbelo had kind of a a rough start. And he did. He got he a little got better. Those two fouls. Yep, and he finished with seven points. But they had good balance. They had 23-18. Adam Miller had 12. And Miller... Uh, is not just sitting on that uh, three-point line now. He had a couple of drives and had a nice jumper. jumper. Nice m- medium-range jump shot, which will be very valuable to him in the future. It certainly will. Let's hear from. going to be very. It's hard to go in there all the way when you're not six ten, because there's going to be a guy in there to block your shot. If you can pull up and hit that jumper, it makes a big difference. Here's a quick comment from Io DeSumo after the ball game and uh, not only playing in front of his family, but uh, other Illini fans as well. It was great to finally see, you know, fans be able to come and support us, um, come and watch us play. Um, I was excited. You know, it always gives you extra juice. You know, like just give you extra adrenaline and um, it just pushes you to play harder. So, you know, seeing the fans there, um, it definitely, you know, felt good. You know, it felt like a um, a playoff game, really. I mean, I just think we showed that what type of time we're on. That, you know, um, we really don't have room for error. Um, you know, we're two games away from accomplishing our goals that we set months ago, you know, all in you know, try to win a Big Ten championship. So I feel like at this point in the season, we're so focused, we're so laser focused. You know, we're nowhere, we're nowhere done yet. I'm going to get some rest. And um, I think we just showed that, you know, yeah, we, we, we just want to win a Big Ten championship very bad. Io DeSumo on the win last night. Let's go back to the phones. And Gary in Urbana is with us. Good morning, Gary. Any chance, I'll just hang up and listen, any chance that Juwan Howard will be suspended for today? No. 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 They've already made a ruling on that. Okay. All right, Gary, thanks. Quick question, quick answer, and uh, we'll move along. They... uh, they had the commissioner, first time we've seen the commissioner in a while, at halftime. Of Is that the, who that was? That's who it was. <laughs> and uh, he said the the matter is closed. I don't, you know, in the regular season, wouldn't he be suspended for the next game if you if you get the heave-ho? I, I don't know what I that, don't think so. I don't think he, I, I, I think guys have been ejected from games for two personal fouls, two true. technical fouls without being right. 
set out the next game. Yep. And, you know, you say what you want about Michigan, but uh, Howard's done a good job. I, I I can't argue with the fact that he was the Big Ten coach of the year. You could make a case for others, but I think a lot of that stems on what the preseason expectations were for a team. Yeah, yep. they snuck up on us. Michigan wasn't supposed to be this good. We didn't have any idea how good Dickinson was going to be. I did, you know, I mean, he didn't even start at the beginning of the season, so I think uh, – I mean, I think he's, you know, he's 20 years old as a freshman. He's a little more mature than most freshmen, and he's he's played well. But I, I don't, I, I have a hard time uh, accepting the fact that he belongs on any kind of an all-star team over Kofi. And that happened. And um, I just think that statistically, Kofi's got the better numbers. And in, intimidation-wise... <laughs> He's superior, and I, I know he's not the slickest center we ever had, but, boy, how would you like to go in there and play against him? I'm going to ask Bruce Douglas. We're going to have him on here in a minute. Yep. I'm going to ask Bruce what he thinks, how he thinks Ephraim Winters would have stacked up. Ephraim Winters was big, not, not next to Kofi. He's not big. He wasn't 295, <laughs> that's for sure. He might have been 240, <laughs> but uh, in, what, 6'8 or 6'9? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Kofi makes a lot of people look uh, oh, small. Oh, man. He'd probably make Patrick Ewing look little, but uh, and, and we've seen Dickinson in recent games, hasn't he? Only had six points yesterday. He didn't do mm-hmm. that much, and I, I just Kofi is a is such a huge factor in the game all all along, and and we know how valuable he is uh, when he's not in the game. <laughs> it's pretty obvious. The Big Ten Women's Basketball Tournament also going on in Indianapolis. We'll wrap up today with a championship game between top-seeded Maryland and number six-seed Iowa. That gets underway at 1 o'clock this afternoon. If you're interested in uh, checking out uh, that, it's on ESPNU if you have that. Maryland and Iowa in the Big Ten Tournament Women's Championship game. It is 10 o'clock, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. This is Illini Fellas Saturday Sports Talk. We'll take a break and be back with hour number two after this. Stay with us. Welcome back to the show, hour number two. Big basketball day, big sports day around college athletics with the Illini in the semifinals of the Big Ten tournament over in Indianapolis at Bankers, not Bankers Life, that's where the women's tournament is being played, at Lucas Oil Stadium is where the Big Ten men's tournament is, and that's where the NCAA Final Four will be and some of the other games in the NCAA tournament as well. Yeah, the problem with the with Lucas Oil is that you're in a football stadium, and some of those seats are a long way from the floor. Like, who are those ants running around down there? <laughs> they are indeed, but at least you're in the house, and uh, yep. that's your best and only opportunity uh, this season to uh, get that done. So at least uh, we've got to that point. We'll talk some more Illinois basketball. One of my favorite guys Illinois great, his jersey, number 25, hanging in the rafters over the State Farm Center. Bruce Douglas is with us. Good morning, Bruce. How you doing? Oh, I'm great, Steve. Good morning. Uh, glad to be with you. As I talked to you the other day, uh, you told me how much fun you have been having watching uh, this Illini team in action this season. You do that every year. I know that. And I know this is going to make you sound old, but it's probably going to make Lauren and I sound even older or feel even older. 37 years ago, you were a first-team All-Big Ten selection in 1984. Is that possible? Mm-hmm. Uh, somehow, uh, 
I think that is right. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it, it's gone by pretty quickly, and it seems like yesterday, but you are right. I think we're getting a little bit older. Tell me what you think of this ball club. Why, uh, why do you enjoy watching them? Uh, do you have a favorite guy on the team? Well, I think, first of all, it, they're a lot of fun to watch. Uh, really, over the last few years, they're, uh, you know, the way they've grown and matured as a team, uh, their confidence right now is uh, is at the level where most great teams are at, where they they continue to find ways to win, different ways to win, and uh, and so it's a lot of fun watching them. Um, you know, I, I surely like uh, Ao and Kofi. I mean, those are you know they're great players. Uh, Trent does an excellent job, and so they they just got a good mix. And of course, uh, Carbello coming off the bench. Uh, so they got a different flair. I, I don't really have a favorite player out there right now. I enjoy watching all of them, but uh, I can tell you that they have a lot of uh, different pieces that that show up. Uh, Demonte as well, and so I think they got you know just uh, a lot of um, things that make them unique, and uh, it makes them very difficult to uh, to defend. And, and then of course they really turn the heat up defensively. So I, that's what I really enjoy watching. You talked about uh, that how they were focused in and have been focused in uh, much of the season, most of the season, certainly in this last 13-game uh, stretch. And during that time, at the end of the regular season, they, they played a week there where they played just basically every other day. How tough is that to keep that intensity every night in and out? Uh, we're very difficult. Um, I mean, you know, it, it's, it, it's a challenge not just physically, but mentally it just gets uh, tough, uh, especially when you don't have much time in between uh, to prepare. I think there's some pros and cons with it, but uh, from a preparation perspective, you know, the, the little nooks, uh, little aches and pains that you have to deal with uh, in a Big Ten, it's a physical conference. And, and then some of the travel, uh, especially that, that they had to do, um, you know, the, the past week, uh, it's just phenomenal that they've been able to maintain uh, their concentration and their focus and and then, you know, to go out there and the most important thing is, is to deliver and, and that's to execute. And they've done all those things, uh, defensively. Like I said, their intensity is, is way up, um, and it's sustained, uh, you know, for long periods of time. And those are the most challenging things. Uh, you know, you go through those periods during the game where, you know, you don't make a basket. Uh, you, you, you got things offensively that are, are not clicking the way you want, but they have found ways to defensively create offensive opportunities, fast break points. Uh, their decision-making has gotten a lot better. So they're just doing a, a things that, um, that during this time of the year great teams do. Bruce, this is Lauren. I'm going to ask you a couple of impossible comparisons to make between players. I'd just be interested in your, your comments. Number one, Derek Harper versus Io DeSumo. Uh, you know, I think they're they're different players in that I, I think AO has uh he's more of a of a mid range uh game, uh has a, more of a mid range game. Uh Derek was more of a perimeter had more of a perimeter game. Uh I think Derek uh from a uh a point guard perspective had a little more um a little more uh skill sets that were focused on uh, creating for other players. Uh, AO, I think, has a, a better knack for scoring, uh, you know, when he is uh, on the floor. Both, I think, are great players. Uh, Derek was probably a little quicker and probably a little more athletic. Um, 
But uh, but A.O. Uh, really has a great way. You know, he can get to the hoop. He can finish at the hoop. And uh, when he gets into that 12 to 15 range, uh, he's he's almost unstoppable. And Kofi against Ephraim Winters. <laughs> that, that's a great comparison. I, I think, well, Kofi, first of all, is, he's a young, great talent. Uh, he's a legitimate center. Uh, I think uh, around the basket, um, Kofi is, uh, is, is a little more powerful. But I think offensively, you know, Ephraim was a – you know, could shoot from 15. Uh, Ephraim probably uh, had a much more uh, complete uh, scoring package around the basket in terms of just one-on-one on the post. I mm-hmm. think Kofi is developing that. Uh, and, and by next year, if Kofi's still around, uh, you know, he may be, uh, he may be at that uh, level where, um, you know, when he gets the ball five feet from the basket uh, and develops a couple of – baby hooks or uh, some turnaround uh, shots off the glass, uh, he will be unstoppable. But but at this point, both are athletic. Both are great dunkers. Ephraim was a great finisher. But uh, at this stage of the game, I would say that Ephraim uh, had much more of a, uh, a offensive uh, arsenal than, uh, than Kofi does. Yeah, I think that's right. And Ephraim came in very mature. I mean, was there an awful lot of difference between Ephraim as a freshman and Ephraim as a senior? I know everybody improves during that time, but he was he was pretty far along as a freshman, wasn't he? Yeah, I, from an athletic perspective, I think Ephraim's knowledge of the game grew, and like all of us, he got better at uh, reading things on the floor offensively and defensively, but from an athletic standpoint, I think you're right. Uh, Ephraim came in a, a grown man and uh, and he went out a grown man, and in between that time, there wasn't a lot of difference in what he physically was able to do. Talking to Bruce Douglas, former Illini guard, 1983 to 1986, still the Illinois career leader in assists and steals. And career leader in, in discuss, discussing the things we just talked about. Right. <laughs> I mean, Bruce, you were always my favorite in that regard. You're like a coach. <laughs> Why didn't you well, become a coach? That's what I want to know. You know, I, I think uh, God just had a different calling on my life. I <laughs> love the game. Uh, I love working with young people, and I still do that. And uh, I get to impact their lives in, in a lot of different ways. But I love, I, you know, I was, Lauren, I was really fortunate to be under some great coaches and uh, and grew up uh, under some great players, uh, especially in, in my family. And so sitting around and Coach Henson, you know how he was, uh, you know, just all, never could get his mind off the game and, I, I hung around a lot of those type of people. And so uh, really trying to figure out a way to win the game uh, mentally before I physically got on the court uh, was just one of the gifts that God gave me. We had Derek Harper on this program two weeks ago today, and he had great things to say about you when you came in and kind of took over the point guard position, which allowed him to move to the off guard. And uh, he said you were one of the key guys in the, to getting him where he ended up. You know, Derek is like a brother. First of all, I, it, it was, it was, it, it was a match made in heaven. I think Derek is right. I got him off of the uh, point, and he was able to really teach me a lot of things about being a point guard in terms of at the next level, um, at the preparation and uh, physically and mentally, some of the things that you have to uh, to get better at. Uh, and so, competing against Derek every day just uh, it made me so much better. Uh, he gave me a lot of confidence. And then having someone out there that I could depend on, I mean, we were, you know, I, we were like, uh, you know, just 
twins. Uh, when I think one thing, Derek was already doing it. So it, it made it real easy for me to uh, deliver the ball in certain places because I knew he could get there and uh, I could count on him being there. And so um, no question, his career took off and, and really so did mine uh, because it, it gave us uh, gave me the opportunity to uh, play next to someone who uh, could score, who could handle the ball, who could take the pressure off off of me um, at times of the game when I needed support. And, uh, and that really is crucial in your freshman year because one of the challenges as a freshman is just losing confidence. And uh, with Derek on the court and uh, working with me every day in practice, uh, he really kept my confidence high. You played at a time when Illinois basketball was really on the come, and you played in four straight NCAA tournaments, and there's been a little bit of a drought here in the last few years of getting back to the NCAA tourney. It will be broken this year, and I know that as an alum, it makes you really happy, and uh, you hope that uh, Illinois is poised to make a long run. Definitely. I mean, you know, what we do as players, fans, uh, you know, supporters, is we want to uh, see us not just be successful, but win a lot of games. And uh, it, it's been a drought, and that drought has ended. And I think it's been worth the wait uh, when you see uh, the way that Illinois is playing now, the, the way that Coach Underwood has handled the, the team there. Especially, I'm really impressed with uh, the way they've dealt with the pandemic and the COVID-19 uh, uh, air uh, I think they've been exemplary in the way that, um, you know, that colleges uh, should perform. And uh, and so, you know, I'm proud of uh, uh, to be a part of the program. Um, I think that uh, I'm expecting, you know, them to do very well. Uh, I think they have the potential to win it all. Uh, of course, in order to do that, you have to stay healthy, you have to stay focused, and you have to really play at the big moments. Uh, and so their execution and their role players will become vital uh, as they continue down uh, the road uh, to the final four. But I think, uh, you know, I, I definitely have them as one of my uh, picks for the final four. Well, Bruce, uh, all these games will be played on neutral courts, and you are part of, the re- part of the responsibility for that because in 1984, when you had a Big Ten championship team, you're 15-3 in the league, you beat Villanova, you beat Maryland in the uh, – tournament and you ran up against Kentucky at Rupp Arena lost 54-51 in a game that could have gone either way and I think with the home court decision it was a home court decision in that game that won it for them and um, that was changed the very next year what what's what's your reaction to having been a part of that uh, that major change in in the tournament well, first of all, I'm glad that change happened because you know it, it's unrealistic to think that you can play a team like Kentucky who's not just a a, a very good team, but one of the great historical uh, universities in the the tradition of basketball in front of 22,000 fans and think that that, uh, at some point there will not be a a call or a play that will make For us, unfortunately, I'm not going to say that's the reason why we lost the game because we had other opportunities, but I will say that no question that the call at the end of the game uh, definitely made a difference. And, um, so you do not want to be uh, playing uh, when the stakes are that high uh, on a on a place in a place where someone has an advantage like a like a home court uh, in, in where you play all season long and your fans are 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 all there um, you know and so being on a neutral court makes it much easier on the referees uh, you will hear loud fans but it 
it will be on both sides and there, there won't be any home cooking going on. And uh, I'm glad that that was made. It should have never really have happened. And I think uh, that that uh, was a crucial turning port point for the NCAA tournament. And uh, I'm glad that uh, nobody has to go through that or has to think about uh, 35, 36 years ago what might have happened if we'd have been on a neutral court. As Lou Hensel would say and did say many times, Dickie Beals is still traveling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that was a travel. Uh, I think everybody now, if they'd had a replay back in that day, uh, we, we might have got the ball back and had a chance to, to win that game. But, but you know, I, Kentucky had a great team, and I, I've never been one to try to blame a win or a loss on referees just because I know all the opportunities we had that day. Uh, to make a difference. Of course, in that day, it was a, a, a slower pace. It was big men uh, in the middle, and every possession was very crucial uh, because, uh, you know, during those times, uh, a team could hold the ball as long as they wanted. And so um, it definitely, uh, each call, uh, especially late in the game, uh, plays a, a major role in, in, in who's going to get a chance to win or lose. Bruce, what's keeping you busy these days? Well, I got four grandkids and a, a fifth one on the way. Uh, and, uh, you know, I had four sons and now I got three granddaughters. And I tell you, I never knew you could buy so much. Uh, they had so much clothes for, for the young ladies. And uh, uh, I'm playing, you know, uh, Barbie doll houses and LOL dolls. And, uh, no, but that, that it, you know, that takes up a, a good chunk of my time, which I'm, I'm just so blessed uh, to have, uh, you know, family. Um, of course, I'm still in ministry, and I love uh, serving the Lord, and we're doing virtual church right now and still, uh, you know, trying to impact young people and marriages and families to just encourage them uh, for the great things that uh, God has in store for them. And so, you know, and with my wife, we'll be married 35 years, and she's a University of Illinois alum, and we grew up together. And so uh, being able to just have all of those precious things in my life at this season uh, there's nothing more important. My mom will be 88 this year, and uh, she is uh, uh, the one who uh, has instilled in me, uh, you know, uh, my love for serving God and, and loving people. So uh, those things keep me busy. Of course, I, I you know, um, outside the normal day-to-day work that everybody else does uh, when they go to work um, has also been a blessing. But I'm right now, Steve and, and Lauren, I'm in a full season of life, and, and I'm really enjoying it. Well, we really enjoy catching up with you, as always, and we look forward to doing it uh, one of these days soon in person, Bruce. Yeah, that would be great. I tell you, I've enjoyed Let me say this, Steve and Lauren, uh, both. Uh, I mean, I've known you guys a long time, and you are two of the, uh, uh, the most classiest people uh, that I've dealt with in not just your uh, understanding of the facts and the history of the game, but but in, re- in relating to the players and, and what's going on. I know Coach Henson is, uh, is looking down on us from uh, heaven, and uh, I miss him and want to say hi to Mary and all the family, the Henson family, and Coach Collins, who uh, all of these men that really uh, poured into my life, Coach Nagy, who's still around, and uh, there just was a very important part of Illinois uh, history and my, my uh, development down there and uh, as well as you guys. And so I want to say thank you for what you do and keeping uh, all the people uh, abreast on what has happened through the history of uh, Illinois basketball. By the way, Mary had a nice televised send-off for the Illinois basketball team that she 
spoke out for it was for 30 seconds yeah. maybe mm-hmm. or a minute maybe yeah. i'm not sure how long it was, it was 30 seconds yeah yeah a good luck oh, thing wow. and she mm-hmm. said uh if Lou is, Lou's watching from play heaven, <laughs> rebound and play defense. <laughs> oh, no question. No about it, man. He's, he's definitely got some words to say, and he's going to say you're going to have to be tough because it, it, it's going to be a man's game. But, no, yeah, I, uh, Mary knows. Uh, I don't know if I know anybody that knows as much about the game as, as Miss Henson, uh, Mary. She's, uh, she's not just a great fan, but she, uh, she's a great coach, too. Hey, Bruce, thanks again for your time, and uh, bless you, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks, Bruce. Y'all take care. Okay, thanks. Mm -hmm. Bruce Douglas with us at 1020. We'll take a timeout and be back with more. We've got the phone line open if you'd like to join us. By the way, I mentioned his jersey in the uh, rafters of State Farm Center, number 25. That number is represented well in the rafters. Oh, I'll say. (laughs) Deion Thomas. That's a Simeon number. Deion Thomas, Bruce Douglas, um, Nick Anderson, and Gene Vance, all wore number 25. What you heard today was just typical of four years that we got this. Yeah. When he was playing. I mean, there's no, nobody ever interpreted the game better in a post-game interview than, than he did. And, you know, you go to the quarterback, you go to the point guard in most cases, yep. and they're the guys that know what's going on with everybody. And uh, he's always been uh, fun to uh, talk to, uh, even – he was a young guy here and that really, as, as you have, enjoyed getting to know him and uh, having a relationship with him 37 years later. 1021. We'll be back in a couple of minutes here on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. If you'd like to join us, feel free. Back after this. It is moving up on 1024 on the Line Saturday Sports Talk. If you're thinking about new windows or doors, it comes as no surprise that I would recommend the folks at the Line Window and Door Showroom. They're at 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign. You can see their products in person Monday through Friday from 8 to 5, or you can give them a call 356 6474. Check their website at uh, PellaOfChampagne.com. But uh, they're the uh, trusted name in Champagne homeowners as the window brand that can improve the value of your home. The experts know all about what type of window or door works best in each unique situation. And working with them is an easy process from start to finish. They'll be, hel- they'll be there to help you along the way from the shopping portion to the installation. So stop by the uh, showroom next week if you get time. Monday through Friday, 8 to 4, 1001 North Country Fair Drive. Say hi to Mike Mary and all the guys and gals at Illini Pella Windows and Doors. A couple of folks on hold. Let's go back to the phones. And uh, Marty is with us from Pinehurst. What's hello, up, Marty? Hello, hello, Steve. Hello, Lauren. What's up? Great show as always. A couple things. Lauren, I think I'm safe in saying this since Bruce was on. I don't think there's ever been a better defensive backcourt in Illinois history than when Harper was a senior and Douglas was a freshman. Would I be safe saying that? Pretty close. Yeah, pretty close. I I mean, they were, yes, they were excellent, both excellent defensive players. Yes. I mean, quick hands, tough. I mean, they were just good. I'm on the phone! Anyway. Sorry, my wife just came in. She's out. That wasn't very nice. 
Yeah, I know. You, you need to say, honey, uh, stand by a moment. Yeah. I'm on the phone. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's not the way she works, Steve. <laughs> it's got to be really direct with her. I'll take your word on that. By the way, uh, okay. Harper and Tucker came in together. You know, Harper was uh, Tucker was yep. a junior college player, and yep. they were they played a year before Bruce and and Ephraim got here. So uh, Harper was a sophomore when Bruce was a freshman, and then of course they, oh, yeah. they, they also played the next year. Uh, no, Harper was gone by then. Excuse me. I'm mixed up. Okay, Harper came in '81. And played in 81, 82, 83. And, they, yep. and Harper and Douglas only played together one year. That one year. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that was, uh, that was yep. Douglas's freshman year. Yeah. Okay. Harper yep. was the junior. The year, that, the year that Harper made the shot to beat Minnesota mm-hmm. last second. Double overtime. I yep. still remember that. Yep. Um, I have had. Uh, I still remember with Bruce, and I, it doesn't come up often enough, I was just a young coach watching Quincy win a semifinal game with a full-court pass. And a, yeah, you know, I thought about that fake, today, too. Yeah, where Dennis broke up and then broke to the basket. The center came up, acted like he was going to get the ball and let it go over his head. Into, it, was, it was a thing of beauty. Anyway, on a more important point, that I've had as much trepidation, Lauren, maybe – I go back to the Skip Thorine, Tal Brody days of Illinois basketball, from my memory. You go a little farther. I haven't had as much trepidation about five straight games as I've had about these last five, including Nebraska, because that was the first one without I.O., and he basically beat them. I've never been so pleased with a team playing tough, tough games. I mean, these teams they've played have been good basketball teams. I mean, really good teams. And I don't remember a team staying as focused defensively as these guys have the last five games. What do you think about that? Do you remember? Well, Steve better- just said to me earlier said the difference in these games is the defense, and I think that oh, was, it has for the most part been true. You just break these well, yeah, teams well, Rutgers, down defensively. Right. Yeah, Rutgers scored ninety points, and they were running up down the floor. It was an offensive game; both teams were scoring, but it, we weren't stopping anybody at, at Rutgers in December. This team's a little different now. And the other thing they're doing really well, I knock on wood, my my end date, they're rebounding extremely well. You know, Adam Miller doesn't get as much credit as he ought to get for the job he does defensively and boxing people out. He's he's becoming a a pretty complete, more complete player. He's he's going to step in and do some good things, I think. Anyway, uh, I I. I have trepidation about today because Iowa, they're not going to go two for 20, and that's not going to happen again, I don't think. The other thing I've noticed Illinois is doing, I, I don't know if you guys agree, is the last few games, they seem to make a conscious effort to drive people off the three-point line and keep people from shooting the three ball. Uh, I don't know if that's a, just the teams they've played or it's something they're trying to do consciously. What, what do you think about that? Oh, yes, absolutely. And they'll need to do that today. Well, I mean, Underwood says that's, that's their goal, to chase them off that three-point. Those, those points add up too quick. You can't leave guys open on the – an open three-point shot is a 50% shot in, in college basketball. If you're yeah. wide open, oh, yeah. unguarded, like we see DeMonte and Miller sometimes – They'll make about half those. I mean, the reason the percentages are down is because so many of those guys are shooting from farther out 
under pressure. Oh, yeah. Why do they leave DeMonte open at any time? Well, they don't intend to. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm always amazed when he gets his feet set. I, I'm pretty sure it's going down. I've never seen a guy change from not being a shooter at all to suddenly being a deadly shooter, you know, his last couple of years. Oh, well, I better let you go. There's probably other people in line. But good show today. I love listening to Bruce Douglas. Yeah, he's he, good. He, yep. he is like a coach. Thanks, Marty. Let's go to Rick in Charleston. Good morning, Rick. What's on your mind? Yes, nice show as always. Great season. Uh, and concerned to Demonte, Demonte the other night, I think he could have took a sip of coffee during his <laughs> That guy flew by him. He just really slowed down, and he had amazing amount of time. Amazing amount of time. Uh, what a cold about. <laughs> Lauren, you were right. Uh, you've seen that the Ty Ty Washington kid reopened up his recruiting. Yeah. And then uh, while I was on the internet there, I noticed that uh sounds like there may be a little shakeup in the assistant coaching staff in Kentucky. And looks like they may be coming after one of our assistant coaches, of course, Orlando, that used to be down there, and that was what was on the internet, of course, and whether that was rumor or not. But uh, I don't think Orlando the... will go this year, uh, particularly with the chance of Kofi coming back and the fact that he, if he moves, he's happy here, and I think if he moves, it would be for a head job only, and that's basically right. what he's saying. Now, of course, everybody can change their mind. They could offer him twice as much as Illinois is paying him, and. And Kentucky can do that if they want to. You know, they, they don't care. Money is, is no object for Kentucky. Right. And I wondered how that might work. I see he's kind of in the low 400s, and they've got an assistant coach up there just shy of a million dollars. I know. And I'm thinking, how do you how do you balance all this act out with, you know, salaries for the assistant coaches and, you know, so on and so forth? That all has to go through the board and some of that stuff. Is that correct? Yes. Well, yeah, they'll they're probably give uh, everybody a raise after this year, if, particularly if they make a run in the NCAA tournament. But um, uh, I, I think I, I'm pretty confident that, that we'll keep him one more year. Well, that, that, that would be great. As we, as we all know, we can look at the roster and see what kind of impact that's Yeah, Corbello's so, one of hey. his guys, too. I think, I think both uh, yeah. Kofi and Corbello could be the one-two punch next year. And uh, he's the guy that brought them both in. I, I know it's way too early, but is it a fair assumption to probably make that Kofi will probably test the waters again and well, sure. be a 50-50 shot of coming yeah. back? Yeah. Now, why wouldn't he? I mean, yeah, I think of, he'll test. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, he's not listed among the top 30 players by no. anybody that I'm aware of. And, in fact, he's not in the top 50. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean – you know, it well, looks like could change. one I mean, day, but he's yeah, yeah, yeah. If he start, if he if he if he shoots six six fifteen footers <laughs> and <laughs> shoots seventy percent of the free throw line going in the into the final games, then things might change. But uh, hey, great show, uh, great season. Just what every Illinois fan wants to wants to see. Thanks, Thank Rick. You. Appreciate the call. Ten thirty three. You know, you said. Money is not an object at Kentucky. That's how they got me at Kentucky. <laughs> that's, how, that's why I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> Money's no object. That's right. I had to pay them. <laughs> Please let me into school. We'll take a break and be back with more 
We'll keep the phone lines open as well. Stay with us on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. 10.36, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate, Steve Kelly. With you until 11, if you'd like to jump in, 217-356-9397. A lot of Big Ten basketball talk today, and rightly so. The Illini in the semifinals this afternoon at 2.30 against the Iowa Hawkeyes. Let's talk about those Hawkeyes now. Scott Docterman from The Athletic out in Iowa City is with us. Good morning, Scott. How are you? I'm doing great, guys. How are you this morning? Good. We're uh, anticipating this uh, rematch. I think it's a rematch that both fan bases hoped might come along uh, sometime during the season with only one regularly scheduled matchup between these two teams. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, we can all remember, a lot of us can remember what it was like back about 30 years ago when these teams would tip off. Uh, it was uh, some, some of the most highly competitive basketball in Big Ten history. And I think we're right there again, um, you know, maybe even at a higher level because, I mean, this is an obvious rivalry that's been rekindled. Uh, the players and the coaches seem to not like each other. Uh, they're both Final Four contenders. And, yeah, I mean, only playing once. I think both fan bases were pretty disappointed when the Big Ten schedule came out and they were only playing each other once. And, and that was one of the best games of the year, I thought, uh, back in late January. So I'm glad we get a chance to see it again. And, and who knows, we might see it uh, in a few more weeks, too. Talk about that Iowa win last night. The Hawkeyes were down to Wisconsin at halftime and came back and pulled out a kind of a grinder kind of game. Yeah, it was uh, it wasn't the typical Iowa game, and I think the the fact was Wisconsin. You know, that was the third time that Iowa and Wisconsin had played in like 23 days or 22 days or something like that. So, I mean, they really had. Um, you know, a lot of uh, familiarity. And, and what Wisconsin did, which was smart, was basically, uh, at least in the first half, allow Garza just to do whatever he wanted, and but really guarded the three-point line. And Iowa started the game over 10 from three. They only hit two all game. They were two for 20, which is not Iowa's uh, style of basketball. But, but they did a nice job of kind of guarding the perimeter and frustrating Iowa. And, and uh, you know, so Iowa had to get down and dirty with, uh, with the Badgers and, it really has shown a lot of the growth that this team has taken in the last month on the defensive end of the floor. I mean, to hold Wisconsin to 57 and to not have any turnovers in the second half. I mean, that was really an important step for this program because not every game is going to be like what we're probably going to see here later today, which is up and down the floor in the 80s and 90s in points. I mean, so they're going to have to figure out how to win these games and beating a, a tough rival in Wisconsin uh, show that they're capable of doing it if necessary. Scott, this is Lauren. Tell me about uh, uh, Wieskamp and, and Frederick. Are they in – this is their coming back. They both played over 30 minutes yesterday, and I know they've had uh, some some problems. Are they both fully healthy going into this uh, second game in two days? Yeah, they are so far. And, uh, you know, as it's, it's kind of, they're both in kind of a strange situation. I mean, with Wieskamp on Sunday when he sprained his ankle – I mean, the excruciating pain that he seemed to be in, I thought, man, I, I hope he doesn't even have a broken ankle and he's out. But uh, for him to be able to come back and play 35 minutes and play fairly well, I thought, you know, 10 points, 7 rebounds, uh, you know, it's going to be about his swelling, of course, and, 
what happened, uh, you know, how, what kind of treatment he's got and uh, to see how effective he'll be. And, and Frederick's in a situation where, you know, he didn't play in the first game. He's had issues with plantar fasciitis all year. And, and as we know, that could be very painful and it could be sporadic. You could wake up one day and be fine. And the next day you can't move your foot in it. Or if you step on it, you want to, it feels like you're stepping on broken Christmas ornaments. So I think, uh, in his case, uh, he seems to be okay. He's a very much a, a tenacious competitor, so I would expect them both to play and play a lot. Uh, defense has always been a problem for this team. It now appears that they've resolved some things. Uh, have they used any more zone, or what are they doing different that uh, makes the defense improved? Yeah, they've switched. Uh, you know, they were just so passive when they operated out of the zone for the most part back in the earlier part of the year, and that's what was enabling teams to score on them. They had really no principles. They were struggling, defending, for, especially from three. They were really bad there, and they're still not great, but they were really bad. And uh, they were enabling too much dribble drive penetration. It just they, they looked out of sorts when they were running zones. So they switched to a heavy man. Um, it seems to allow them to get more involved defensively, um, individually. And, and, you know, part of it is that they don't necessarily have, at least among their starters, a, uh, you know, a real lockdown defender on, on the ball. But but they've been able to, to really mitigate that by, you know, really collapsing on some of the op- opponents. So they're a real, almost an 80 to 90% man team now. And it's helped them on that end of the floor. So will it help them today? I don't know. I mean, I think some of it was designed to try to keep, you know, Luka Garza maybe out of foul trouble and limit the pennant, uh, you know, some of the on-ball issues. But that said, they've kind of decided, you know what, we're just going to go with it. And really, it's uh, it, it's paid off for them immensely on that end of the floor. Talking to Scott Docterman, who gets the assignment for the Hawkeyes on Io DeSumo? Well, if I say nobody, am I wrong? <laughs> nope, they're probably not. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, that's going to be a Or everybody, right? <laughs> yeah, everybody at some point. Uh, will anybody slow them down? Probably not. Uh, I mean, I think uh, everybody respects Io DeSumo and Iowa's side and understands. But I, I do think it's, uh, you know, C.J. Frederick is kind of their best backcourt defender when he's on the floor. So, I would expect him to draw him probably a little more often. I think it'd be a mismatch certainly on that end of the floor if Jordan Bohannon was to go against him very often. So I think that's probably what we'll see. Maybe Wees Camp. There'll probably be some switching, and I'm sure at times they may even employ a little more zone than they usually have, just because he is such a weapon and it's going to be hard for them to curtail him. But you know, I I would say that that's probably where it's at, but. Um, you know, I, I think we, I think everybody respects how good Iota Sumu is. And uh, the battle in the middle will be something between uh, Garza and Kofi. Some similarities in their games and some major differences in their games. How do you size that one up? And uh, staying out of foul trouble on both sides will be important, I would think. Yeah. I've been really intrigued by watching the way the games have been called as of late and and last night's Iowa-Wisconsin game was more was more closely more resembled a, their football game than it did that in uh, the basketball games I've seen. I mean, it was just incredibly physical, and I don't expect it to be the same way, which I think if that's the case, it probably favors 
a little bit more uh, Coburn, um, just because he is bigger and more physical. Um, you know, Garza's not a, a, a great defender necessarily in the post, but he's capable. And, uh, you know, a freshman Iowa has, Keegan Murray, has come in and just been a godsend on that end of the floor. So I would expect him to, to kind of, uh, you know, he's, he can't match up that much physically, but I think he will come in and provide some sort of a, a difference when it comes to that end of the floor. Now, that said, you know, Luca Garza, what he can do against Coburn, what we saw last year when Iowa did meet him in Iowa City, was that he can draw him out, and he can shoot for three. He can shoot from any point in the floor, 15-footers, uh, three-pointers, anywhere on the floor, and, and that's where his advantage lies is that he's capable of going inside, but if it's not there, he can also, you know, find the angles like really no other big man in the Big Ten has done in, you know, in a generation at least. So I think that's on the offensive end of the floor. That's probably where Iowa has that advantage in the post. I'm probably fixated on this issue, but I keep bringing it up. But Garza and the NBA, do you see him playing in the NBA next year and future years? Why aren't they willing to? Why is no one willing to draft him in the first round? That's a great question. I think part of it is that uh, you know it's kind of like with the NFL draft process that everybody looks for something. You know, if you're looking for a prototype post, you're looking at Coburn, big, strong, athletic, shot blocker. Uh, you know, defensive minded in some ways. You know, you, you kind of everybody puts people in a box for, for those different positions. Luca Garza is such an interesting difference because he's not a, a traditional post in the way he plays. He plays more like a pick-and-pop four, but he's built like a five. So that kind of throws everybody for a loop, and then you look at him and, and he looks like a big lumbering guy, and he's like, well, maybe he's just not quite there. Well, I think it's going to take somebody – with, uh, you know, an ingenious coach. You know, a Greg Popovich, for instance, or a Brad Stevens at Boston who looks at him and says, you know what, we don't, we know he can't really do this, but he can do X. So we're going to let him do X. And I think that's what sometimes allows players to succeed is uh, when you have a coach who can devise plans and not just put, you know, we need, you know, this certain type of player in this position. So I don't know if he'll be a first-rounder or not. Maybe it's more in the second round. But I think somebody's going to pick him to play a certain type of way, and uh, he'll be effective at the next level. I know Lord and I aren't big on predicting outcomes, but I'm going to ask you if you are or not. <laughs> and uh, if you were to say what do you think will happen today, what, what are you going with? Uh, I try not to. I try to avoid these two. Yeah, I do I too. Uh, I, honestly, I just want to see a game like the first one. I want to see a, a, a well played, tense game between two rivals going at it because these are two teams that are Final Four capable. And I mean, what I I probably skew a little bit towards the Illini, but not much. I, I do think Iowa's capable. If Iowa's hitting from three, uh, they could beat any team in the country. And if and if that forces um, Illinois to, to change its defense or alter it to allow Garza to get involved a little more inside. 
then Iowa could win, you know, decisively. I think it's also the same way on the other side. I mean, if, if Iowa cannot stop Iowa DeSumo, <laughs> you know, if Frazier gets thrown up threes and, and Coburn can at least, uh, you know, match statistically Luca Garza, then the Illini could win by, you know, four or five possessions. So I, I look at it, it's going to be a great game. I, I guess if you were to uh, – I'm on an Illinois radio station. I'll pick the Illini. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, – <laughs> but uh, I, I just want to see a great game. I think you can't pick two better rivalry games going into the Big Ten semifinals than Ohio State, Michigan, and Iowa, Illinois. And let's face it, all four teams are very much capable of being there in the final weekend. Is there a feeling in Iowa that by winning today, the Hawkeyes could move past Illinois into the first round, uh, into the first seed? That's a great question because a lot of people really want to know that answer, and they've asked me repeatedly, and, and I, I don't think so. I don't think – I think Illinois is and should be the solid one. I think they have the best resume of anybody in the Big Ten, whether or not they actually won the title or not is, is besides the point. I think having the – That's another win, story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. I, I saw what happened earlier this week. Um, I, I, so I don't think Iowa I – mean, Illinois has a better resume than Iowa, and that really doesn't matter what happens today. Even if Iowa was to happen to win by, say, double digits, you know, a 10- or 11-point win or something, I don't think that really jumps them. I do think Michigan is probably more vulnerable. Um, and that's because, you know, down the stretch, I mean, Illinois played so well over the last three to four weeks that I don't think that they're budged from the one line. Now, Michigan is sl- – Lumped. And if Michigan were to lose, say, today by, to Ohio State and, and then maybe Iowa wins and beats Ohio State, then I think Michigan could fall to that two line. But, you know, I, one thing I, I do think with this program here at Iowa, I think it would be the, to their benefit to be a number two seed. I mean, they play better with when they feel like they've been disrespected a little bit. And if they were to be the number two and win the Big Ten tournament and be the number two and with, like, Baylor or – something like that, that would kind of give them that chip on the shoulder that athletes like, and, and it probably would be to their benefit because if they're a number one, you know, then everybody's hunting for them and there's a little more pressure, and I'm not sure that that really pays off for the Hawkeyes. Great stuff, Scott. Thanks for taking time with us. We'll talk to you again soon. Okay, thanks so much, and uh, have a great day. You thanks, too. Scott, Scott Doctorman from The Athletic in Iowa City at uh, 1050. We'll take a break. Be back with more final 10 minutes or so of the show after this. Stay with us. It is 10.54, about six minutes left here on this edition of the program. Still time to squeeze a couple of calls in here if we get them. Let's go to Steve in Princeton. Hello, Steve. Hang on a minute, Steve. Got to punch you up here. It's been great. But my daughter Ava wants to know if there's a possibility that Tom Michael will hire a former Lionite to go to EIU with him. I think that's a possibility, but, uh, you know, do you have somebody in mind? There's some guys in the coaching uh, profession with Illinois ties, and why why wouldn't a guy at least consider people that he knows? I don't know that uh, what Tom's thinking, but uh, that was one of my first thoughts when that job came open. So, But I just figured there'd be some connections there, but, you know, it has to be the right fit, and somebody has to want to go there, so... Uh, but it'll be interesting to see who Tom hires. I, I'm anxious to find out. Yeah. Jesse Frazier might be a guy, and of course, D. Brown is an assistant at UIC. I don't know what he's looking for, but 
Maybe he wants to stay in Chicago. I don't know. And you've got Roger Powell out yep. there. Absolutely. And I don't know if he's... he's not going to come back from Gonzaga, I, I would not think. Would you? Well, everybody's got to be a head coach that's that wants right. to be a head coach sometime, somewhere. That's right. That's right. Now, do you feel like you can maybe, if you wait long enough, you could get one that's uh, in a you oh, know I, Power Five conference as opposed to Eastern? I don't know. I, I think Eastern would be a good place for somebody to start, too. Well, let's get on with the game today. Go Illini. All right, Steve, thanks for the call. Let's go to Howard in Champaign. Good morning, Howard. Morning, Steve. Lauren, how do you evaluate this game today, man well, for man? I think it all depends on who gets two fouls first in the first half uh, between Kofi and, and uh, Garza. And then uh, I think in the second half, I think Illinois will be strong if they can defend the the, uh, the three-point line, which is – Underwood's made a great emphasis on that, and we we've got guys that really stick close to, uh, defensively. I think we're Illinois is pretty good defensively, but shooting you never know what's going to happen. I mean, they're uh, we said about a dozen times they're not going to go two for twenty again, Iowa, from the three point line. They just aren't. They're, they're bound to make some, and they're liable to get on a streak. You never know. If Kofi can just line it up a little bit better and get his aim down there a little bit. You mean on free throws or, or or off the post? I think he means free throws, and uh, yeah. he made four straight yeah. last night after he got off to a little bit of a rough start. But I think the point uh, – thanks, Howard, for the call. We appreciate it. I think, uh, Lauren, you made a good point. That the way he gets beat on during the whole game, he gets to the foul line and has a chance to not rest, but I think he's tired. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's as much tired as it's just tension of just – if if you know it's hard to relax when you when you're in such constant contact as he is, and uh, the officiating will be crucial. I don't want to get into an officiating discussion because we don't have time for one thing. Everybody's got their own opinion on <laughs> you know no you can't officiate the game anyway. It's impossible, and there's be three guys out there trying to do the impossible, and they'll do the best they can, and it'll favor one team or the other, and who knows what it'll be. That game comes up at about 2.30 this afternoon, that first semifinal game. Michigan is about a six-point favorite over Ohio State, but they both got injury issues yeah, to be concerned about. They really do. Isaiah Livers for the Wolverines out indefinitely with a foot injury, and uh, Young for Ohio State uh, was hurt yesterday as well, and we'll have to see who plays there. And then the Illinois-Iowa game about 2.30 this afternoon. I'd really favor Michigan in that first game. I think. I, would. I, I just think – the fact that they got that great play off their bench yesterday, and and I don't know how you stop Smith. He's reached a point. He he started the season as, as kind of a, you know, he's a transfer, and you don't just take over a team, but he has taken over the team now. He's the key guy, not Dickinson, Yep. not uh, Wagner. It's Smith. We had a text uh, a little bit ago about uh, any – news about the future of Bruce Weber at Kansas State. They didn't have a great year. and yeah, uh, I think he's going to stick around. I, I don't think they're going to fire him. And I know he doesn't want to retire. Well, as you mentioned to me during a, a time out there, when, when you start thinking about that, and in Archie Miller's case too, you got those buyouts. And uh, that's, yeah. that's a huge factor in these times. You're not going to tell everybody everything I say during the timeouts, are you? Not everything, <laughs> no. I wouldn't have a job much longer if I did that. <laughs> I'm surprised we made it this far. <laughs> Everybody else is getting fired. <laughs> oh, man. That's another subject. Uh, yeah. Illinois softball game one against Penn State has gone final, and Illinois wins it by a score of 1-0. to
to nothing. They'll play another one. Sydney Sickles, a one-hitter, huh? One-hitter. Boy, she's been pitching well this year. Illinois baseball plays a doubleheader tonight. Illinois volleyball again at Minnesota, so a lot going on. The big game, of course, is the Big Ten semifinals this afternoon. The Illini about a four-point favorite over the Iowa Hawkeyes in Indianapolis. Mr. Tate, we'll listen for you on the pregame show, which begins at 12.30 here on DWS. All righty. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks to our guests this morning, Brad Sturdy from Rivals.com, Jeff Rabjohns from 24sports.com in Indianapolis, Bruce Douglas and Scott Docterman. This is Steve Kelly. Thanks to Dave Leake as well on WDWS Champaign-Urbana.